So what if I still like VHS? I like quality. I say fuck all the rest. You can take your fucking Blu-ray, shove it up your dick. I like Braveheart. You see all this shit, scream freedom. And then I pop in the tape, pumping up some popcorn. Oh shit, I can't wait. Now I got a pretty pillow and a little red beer. I can't think of any place I'd rather be than here. We got Denzel in the Pelican Breeze. I wanna watch Jurassic Park, cause the rappers are sweet. Point break, I'm a boy Yellow Reeves. Don't forget Lori Penny, straight rock in the breeze. Creep show, Warlock, Tristan, True Lies, Will Smith, Back again, check it, direct it, let's begin. Party on, party people, let me hear some noise. DC's in the house, jump, jump for joy. Party over here, party over here, with your hands in the air, chicken derriere. These three words when you're getting busy. Brad, what is this? Four words, go. What's Splatcast, baby? It's the Splatcast! Blah! <laughs> oh, that is great. Yes, way back. You need to adjust the uh, audio levels. <laughs> <laughs> peak sandwich right there. Oh, I love a bleeding. I love a peak sandwich. Way back in November, I Mike D was on the Screamcast, one of my favorite podcasts. Really, let's let's talk about how much I love the Screamcast. Uh, I got to be on the Screamcast for the first time officially. Okay, back in November, and part of my very professional, very fucking chivalrous experience at Screamcast was this very sweet introduction from a one Mr. Sean DeRegger when he introduced me as Mike D from the Splatcast. <laughs> and Brad Brad tries to t- correct Sean. He tries to say, no, it's Splat House, Splat House. And Sean's like, yeah, Mike D from uh, the Splatcast. It's like, bro, not every single fucking <laughs> podcast ends with the word cast. Some of them are houses. Other ones are homes. And other ones are PXs, apparently. I do not yeah. know what the PX is. 90% end in cast. <laughs> but to Sean's point, 90% do end in cast. We really? did some short Google analytics and we found out hey if we took splat which most people are researching online for very different reasons than (laughs) to talk about genre cinema but if we took the word splat and if we added the word cast to it hell magic would be born and yes here we are now on the world's number one podcast network that is true we're on nerdist now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah this is our debut if you are not listening to us on nerdist then we said something wrong. Brad did something wrong on his end, and you're listening to us independently. And may independent podcasts live forever. But since we're not independently podcast right now, we're making big money, making that Splatcast money, bigger than the Screamcast money. We could just say fuck you to all the independent podcasters out there because we're big money now, dog. <laughs> Bringing it to you with boss Chris Hardwick. That's right. You are listening to the Splatcast. But what the fuck is that? I do not know. We are about to figure it out. We had an assignment from Mr. Brad F. Henderson. Brad, what is the Splatcast? So we thought about joining forces for quite some time um, just because we all are kind of obsessed with one another, I think, hiddenly. But after this episode tonight, I think we're going to find out our true love for 
every single one of you in the room. I think we found out your true love for Chris Hardwick, bro. That's what's going on. You got a hard dick for the Hardwick. I've been a singled out fan since I can remember. <laughs> I have every episode on VHS and I watch them constantly. Um, so anyways, I, I spoke with Mike and we were trying to think of a way to cross over our shows in order to make one mega show, but also have some kind of interesting hook because everybody fucking has a podcast and we both have podcasts. What? Yeah, I know. Right. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so we decided to try to focus on franchises and then kind of expand from there. So basically our show will be considering or will be considering many different uh franchises and but not like the fucking popular ones like Friday the 13th and Halloween and shit like that, but more of the Oh my god, I love Friday the 13th. You do actually. We should do it. <laughs> more like Alien versus Predator. Ooh, that'd be a good one. Oh, let's do Alien versus Predator. Um next. I was thinking Doom Generation. Ooh. Ooh. Thank now you're you. speaking my language. You're speaking my language. Okay, so I'm really obsessed with Doom Generation now. But um, what we're going to be doing is we'll be whenever one we're going to be focusing on kind of more underrated or underseen franchises. We will hit the popular ones from time to time, but for the most part, we're going to be picking the more obscure and weird ones or just unheard of, like our show today. The second rule, there's kind of rules to it, is that there has to be at least three or more. And um, we kind of have different segments. We also didn't want to pull our segments from our own shows and kind of rehash and just have like a, a legit both podcasts smashed together and you have to hear us do the same things. I, I think we all should – we're going to stay separate. We're going to try to do something new and see if it catches on. And um, I think with our personalities alone, we'll have something here. So uh, we'll test it out. And Sarah – if I if I was new to the show, if this is my first time jumping onto the Nerdist Podcast Network mm -hmm. and my first time hitting on Splatcast, our inaugural episode, uh -huh. okay, uh -huh. who are these voices that we're listening to? All right. Well, half of these voices are um, Splathouse, and that would include Mr. Michael Delaney. Say hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. Um, Mr. Jim Rock Scheller. That's pronounced Schiller. Whatever. I like it better Schiller. the way I pronounce it. Seashells Schiller. <laughs> and Mr. John Terrell. Hi. Hi. And then over on your guys' side, the Scream cast, we have BJ Calangelo. Is that how you pronounce your name, BJ? I am a syllable away from being a Ninja Turtle. You got it right. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Sean DeRager. Yeah. Hello. And Mr. Brad Henderson. Mm -hmm. Representing the Scream cast <laughs> over yonder. Actually, across the country from us at this moment, you are listening to a bi-coastal podcast mm -hmm. through the power of the internet. That's right. Yes. This is magic. This is the future. Well, but by coastal and then we have BJ in the heartland. I am in the heartland. Right in Cleveland. Really? Yeah. I right? had no idea in, the, in Cleveland. In, literally in the state that looks like a fucking heart. Wow. Yeah. The wow. heart's where she be. The heart of the heartland. I'm right in the armpit. It's so nice here. <laughs> <laughs> Before we Warm. before we jump into today's festivities for the Mirror Mirror film series, the Mirror Mirror Legacy, I think is yep. how I like to refer to it. Quite a legacy. Um, BJ, 
I didn't uh, prep you for this before the show, but BJ, you and your company, Sickening Pictures, you guys have something going on right now, right? We sure do have something going on. Um, so I have been working with a wonderful gentleman named Zach Schilwachter, working, living, loving, all of those things. And we have been sitting on this script called Powerbomb for the last uh, probably two or so years. It's something that we developed with a man named Wes Allen. He's of the Blood Sprayer Productions, formerly of bloodsprayer.com, but that has then turned into a production company. And we are making a movie about the horrifying world of independent wrestling. Yes. And it stars the incredible Matt Cross, also known as Son of Havoc from Lucha Underground. He's also an American Ninja Warrior. He was on WWE's Tough Enough. He's kind of the coolest guy in the whole world. He looks like he's chiseled out of marble. I'm in love with him. He's fabulous. But he is our lead star, and we have an Indiegogo campaign running to kind of recoup some funds so that we can make sure that our movie is the best that it can possibly be and that we can pay for really good insurance because we, there's a lot of wrestling that happens in this movie. But that's what we got going on. So if I go to Indiegogo, what do I look up to, to hit that? If you go to Indiegogo, you just have to look up Powerbomb. It'll be the first thing that hits. Um, or you can always go to sickeningpictures.com backslash IGG. Hot sex on a platter. Ms. Sarah, I've, we are I've got a mortgage payment. If you guys want to send money to uh, <laughs> PayPal to well, hey, Sean. Bro, we're going to get to oh. MXPX here in a second. We'll get to MXPX. <laughs> we're two months out of celebrating women in horror, and we just heard from BJ Colangelo. And we have another female horror filmmaker here, Ms. Sarah Quakendall. What do you have going on? Oh, well, I think you might know what we have going on. So right now splatters and splat casters and whoever whatever we want to call everybody here today um <laughs> we just launched our own indiegogo campaign for our first feature film as a production company um by no means our first filmed project um by no means our first project but our first feature film called blue caveman um which is a rough adaptation of ega and the girl in gold boots um, super fucking excited about this project, but we can't make this happen without all of you. Um, that's why we're going the crowdfunding route. So, yes, please look that up on Indiegogo. Where can they find that, Mr. Delaney? If they go into Indiegogo and they type in Blue Caveman, we're going to be the first thing that pops up. And now would also be a cool time to announce another thing that's happened in the last week, bringing Mr. Brad F. Henderson Away from the Screamcast. He quit the Screamcast this week. I don't know if he announces publicly, <laughs> but he's coming over to Splathouse Productions full time because we pay. Where are we going to put him? Uh, over ooh. in that corner. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to yeah. sit on your lap. No, I, I, I just, but Brad is uh, an amazing filmmaker himself, and he is uh, on the other end of the coast, but he is doing everything in his, his amazing power to. Uh, help make this dream a reality. Um, I'm calling him an executive <laughs> producer of, of this project. Um, we haven't exactly figured out all the roles, but in, in my mind, he's, uh, he's helping godfather this thing into the world. So thank you, Brad, too, for joining the team, brother. Oh, what's happening? <laughs> Before we go any further, can I just suggest that we call our fans the Splat Packers? Yes. Ooh. Yeah, 
sounds kind of dirty, but wait, it kind of sounds kind of very no, dirty. No, wait, Jim. hold on. That's I'm going not... to pack some splat. You know? <laughs> it, it's also <laughs> undercutting our Screamcast family. Right, exactly. We exactly. can't just say splat because that takes a. Huh. Scatter platter? Scatter platters. No, no, no. We should just call our fans scat. Yes. Yes. Scat. You guys are scat. We need to take a vote. That sounds like some kind of excrement from a feline. It's an excrement from an owl, bro. It is All in favor of scat. So Sarah says I. I. Let's call it night scat. Can it be night scat? Night scat? Yeah. That's like when you scat your bed? No, but it's owl. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> it would like they're flying around at night. They scatter at night. Okay. They're the night owl, The owls are not what they seem. Okay, I, I agree with you. Um, can we get into the movies now? Let's get into the movies. <laughs> Let's pause for a quick commercial break. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike D. And I'm Ms. Sarah Quakendall. Welcome to the Splat House. Splat House Productions is a small group of Bay Area film theater, and music artists dedicated to furthering the conversation around cult film. Splat House Productions has already shot and staged three full-length, hybrid, film and theater adaptations of some of our favorite cult classics. The Sadist and Ega in 2014 with Impact Theater. As well as a sexadilic remake of 1959's Plan 9 from Outer Space last summer in 2016. All three earned critical praise, and we got a nomination for Best Video Design from Theater Bay Area Magazine. At the moment, Splat House is neck deep in producing our weekly cult film-based podcast, The Splat House, with our partners Mr. Jim Rock Schiller and Mr. John Terrell. Featuring special guests such as Wendy Roby, John Dahl, and Ethan Embry, just to name a few. I will name more. Monster Vision's Joe Bob Briggs, as well as newer artists such as Creeps' Patrick Bryce and Beyond the Gate's Jackson Stewart. Awesome. Fancy. Along with our list of awesome guests, the Splat House podcast has also been featured on The Screencast and most recently was named one of 2016's favorites on the DailyDead.com. So here's the deal. We're passionate about what we do, keeping the conversation around cult film alive. We're stoked that so many people love the work that we've done on Bay Area stages and now with our weekly podcast. And we need your help to keep this alive. Splat House Productions is looking to expand its body of work with more stage adaptations. <clears throat> Spider Baby. As well as our first feature film, Blue Caveman, a loose adaptation of Ega and The Girl in Gold Boots, being the adventures of two star-crossed lovers that find a caveman in the California high desert and bring him along on a road trip to stardom. It has mystery, horror, and two more elements that have become synonymous with Splat House Productions. Awesome original music and the choking hazard of comedy. Go ahead, show them how funny you could be. So in order to make this happen, in order to continue to bring our love of cult cinema to you, we need money. Splathouse Productions is trying to raise 20 grand to put toward operating expenses, future hybrid productions, expanding the Splathouse studio, and our first feature film. What's in it for you? Team Splathouse has designed several contributor levels, beginning with perks for as low as $5. 
We've got limited edition Splathouse t-shirts and posters. We've got stickers. We've got producer credits. We've got ad space on the Splathouse podcast. You're helping Splathouse take the next step. Follow us on Twitter at Splathouse PR. Or contact us directly at www.splathouse.com. And from the bottom of our hearts. Or heart space. Thank you for helping keep the conversation around cult film alive. So our first film in this series, of course, is the first film in the series. Am I right or am I double right? <laughs> huh? Triple right, sir. So um, Mirror Mirror came out in 1990 and blew away the box office. I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars <laughs> that this film made. Um, but not really. Um, I remember first seeing this film when I was – Walking around in the video store, and I think this – the second one's called The Raven, right? Raven Dance. Raven Dance. I remember seeing them back-to-back, and Raven Dance. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so if I'm not mistaken, I think Raven Dance box had kind of like a lenticular cover. So you would move it and the raven would like pop up or somebody like in the mirror in the reflection. And I always was like, oh, man, it was like kind of a girl dressed like in her nighty night clothes. So I was kind of like, "Ooh, I want to maybe see that because that might be some softcore porn. <laughs> um, that didn't happen to the third one, which was completely <laughs> off the charts. But um, so, yeah, the first one and it, it took me a while to actually get around to it. Um, I just remember seeing the box covers, and uh, finally, uh, when it came out on DVD by Anchor Bay a few years ago, I picked it up and I watched the entire uh, uh, entire franchise. So it's an odd franchise, um, and we will get into that. the 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 first film is very kind of straightforward '90s horror, mixed in with a little bit of like '80s stuff. Um, we have a teenage girl who is very like they saw Beetlejuice and they were like, man, <laughs> we have to take Winona Ryder's character and we have to recreate it for our movie. So this this girl's name is Rainbow Harvest. Her yes, real name is. is Rainbow Harvest. <laughs> yes, it is. And and it's basically the Lydia character. Her name's Lydia in Beetlejuice, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Lydia D. I was mostly directing that towards Sarah because she likes those really shitty, like, Karate Kid movies and stuff. Oh. So I figured she would know about Beetlejuice. Oh, please. And yes, and yes, proudly know about Beetlejuice. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> she looks more like if Lydia Dietz was super into Boy George. Like, let's at least give her that. Yes! Ooh, yes. That's exactly what I thought. Yes! That's exactly what I thought. Exactly. But you're missing, like, the Heathers connection, too. Like, there's, like, it is it is every movie that Winona Ryder made in 1989 that is represented by Rainbow Harvest's performance. But she also has kind of a disconnect that Winona Ryder, even in those roles, was still kind of approachable. <laughs> this girl doesn't have that. I, it's in, true in terms it's of personality true. like it's true. yeah agreed she's just over there harvesting those rainbows <laughs> <laughs> so she so she moves in to her you know new town whatever and she's of course the freak in school um and <laughs> and in uh in this house there is a mirror mirror um and this is when julia roberts comes into the movie 
Oh, and, shit! And she torments this girl. Um, so anyways, real life. <laughs> real life, um, she begins to, I, I guess, what would you say? Like, fucking... It doesn't. I guess there's some sort of possession stuff that happens. There's um, it, all these like weird accidents start happening around her. People to their death, and um, you know she's she's it's it's it loses its steam as far as the plot goes. I think about halfway through because I don't know if they knew exactly where they wanted to go with this. That's how it felt to me. Is that. You know, she this portal to basically hell opens up in a way, and all these accidents, all this shit starts happening, and people just start fucking dying. And it's how the cinematography reminds me of Night of the Demons. So if we can take like that's I think people are more familiar with that's what the film looks like. It feels hot and sweaty all the time. Um, in what Children of the Corn movie do they have the nosebleed scene? Because there's a nosebleed scene in this movie that fucking freaks me out. I kind of enjoyed the blood nose scene, to be honest with you. But that's just me. Well, no. It's, the thing is, I remember seeing the original Children, or not the original Children of Corn, but that like two or three, whatever sequel it is, where there's the nosebleed scene where the guy's kind of using the knife and like the wooden doll, and the guy's just nose starts bleeding profusely. That's what this is like, and that always bothered me. Like it still still gets me, but it has that kind of hot and sweaty and steamy look of the '90s. Yeah, it was probably you know this was filmed what early 1990, late '89, probably late '89. Yeah, it's total fucking '90s horror though. Like it's not even it's not even hitting the '80s at this point. Like this movie was more '90s horror than 1995 horror. Like it just has it it's, wants to be everything. It doesn't know what it wants to be as well. It's just all over the place, like the series. Brad, <laughs> speaking of being all over the place, I want to focus on your. <laughs> Brad, speaking of being all over the place, I want to focus on your fear of nosebleeds um, for just a moment. Did you grow up in Florida? Uh, yeah, for the most part, I was born in Akron, Ohio. Oh, okay. Do you guys particularly? Your air is really humid, right? Yeah, yeah, I've had I've had a good amount of nosebleeds in my you, life. Oh, you have? I because I always associated nosebleeds yeah. with like really dry yeah. altitude. I just didn't yeah. know if it was something that <laughs> up in the mountains. All right, all right, very good. You can also get it from being punched in the nose. <laughs> oh. I mean, I think that's a real fear for everybody, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't like those kinds of nosebleeds. My as nose much is as the other. My thing. nose has never bled. Can Can we talk about the backstory of the mirror for a second? You can. I thank you. Do it. So, so the backstory of the mirror, as I understood it, was that witches used mirrors to mm. to to basically um, mm-hmm. house their demons, right? So the idea is that this mirror is housing this demon that was the other of some witch from way back, um, which is something that they that they play with a little bit in all of the movies, but then they kind of lose track of their own story. Um, their own mythology is lost within these films, but that, as I understand it, is 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 what we're looking at in the first movie, right? Everybody, yes, yeah, yeah. I I can I can see that too, but it's like I said, it loses. I mean, that's what the old lady says. They see it specifically. The do says. say that in yeah. the first film, yes, yeah. They and they mention the same witches, so you know that it's true. Obviously, yes, yes, Salem. 
Gotta be true. But was it like, do we think it was a witch that was like encapsulated in the mirror's essence or whatever? Or was it like a demon that the witch brought to the surface or trapped yeah, in the mirror? I think it's a demon. And that's where the possession thing comes in. Because yeah, I think it's, it's like, like a, a demon possession witch thing. It's a which is pet demon. A pet, yeah, totally. Yes, exactly. Well, the old lady says it, right? And there's always <laughs> your pet demon. The old lady in the movie has to be right. Like that's just the way that these things work. Is that the old lady does the research and yes, yes, keep, <laughs> and then she dies right. for it. Salem witches keep their pet demons inside of these mirrors, and yeah, and she's being seduced by this witch's pet demon in a mirror. There's a matrices for who is right in movies mm-hmm. and typically if your gender falls towards female and your age aims towards you know the summit yep. you are going to be correct totally yeah. <laughs> the summit or the complete <laughs> opposite nice. you could be an autistic young boy like yourself or like or a little more than autistic is that a, is that a dream in, catcher uh, dream catcher yeah I'm glad me and Brad <laughs> the same thing no that's Sean that's Sean oh, excuse me I'm sorry damn <laughs> just saying, there's an all-knowing autistic boy in the second one, and he <laughs> just really is kind of the one saying, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, we'll, you're doing it wrong, we'll and then nobody the, listens We'll get to, to the him. boy in the second one, but he's not all-knowing because he doesn't know how to act. And we're not at the second one yet. Yeah, so. we're not there. So what do we want to talk about for this first movie? What are our, what are our big takeaways from it? The, 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 I just want to jump in first and say the boyfriend of the girl – who our Lydia character was obsessed with, I kind of l- loved him, and I kind of fucking wanted to beat his ass. He was kind of one of those characters that I, at some moments I was like, this, guy, this guy's all right. And then other moments I'd be like, uh, he's a chauvinistic piece of shit. I kind of want to slap him a little bit. Who are other characters in movies that you've had that reaction to? Oh, God. Uh, a lot. Is this um, like a Channing Tatum thing? No. No. Is it just like a hunk Channing Tatum, I probably wouldn't want to hit. I just want to tell him he's a piece of shit. Just verbal Damn. abuse, you know? I just want to put quarters in his G-string. Is that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Get a black eye from that one. <laughs> you snap the quarters in his cock sock. Do a, a, a double where... You finger him right down. Sarah's, Sarah's you know, doing <laughs> the, the quarters in the G-string, and I'm doing the verbal abuse at the same time. I'm a bad time. person. I did this to a stripper when I was 18. Channing Tatum. A male stripper. Jesus. So not that bad of a person. <laughs> anyway, pull us back in, Mr. Wait, wait, are you really like, the re- so I did that. I did. Therefore, I'm not a bad person. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm saying. I, I'm glad Jim brought us back to the logic train on that one. <laughs> BJ. Yes. How, when, when did you first see Mirror Mirror? The day before we were originally supposed to record this. <laughs> this is great. So so you were like super fresh. Oh, yeah, because I don't know if you know this. I'm a small child. This movie and I are the same age. So I completely missed this. Um, this was not something that was being stocked in the video store or the blockbuster when I was growing up. So this entire franchise was a blind spot for me. I'm just completely shocked that we haven't discussed Karen Black and her incredible hair in this movie yet. Hell yes. I was just about to mention Karen Black just now. Yes. Okay, let's talk about Karen Black. (laughs) Who's Karen Black? She's the one with the creepy face, the mom. Oh, the mom. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's been in in and out of uh, films all through the 80s. Did someone just come at the splat house? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was John. We're cleaning it up. And while we're cleaning up his splat in the house, BJ, can you school Mr. Terrell on 
Ms. Karen Black? Oh, man. Okay. So Karen Black, uh, otherwise known as that girl from a lot of movies in the 60s and 70s who played crazy people because she has kind of like slight wonky eye and like kind of weird teeth, but like they're straight, but they don't look like they should be straight, but they still are. And it is really uncomfortable to look at. Um, more commonly known. She's one of those really pretty, crazy looking people. Yeah. Like in five easy pieces. Yeah. She's um more for, from people who aren't well-versed in kind of like older cinema. She was the original mama firefly in house of a thousand corpses. Um, she's, she's wackadoo. But I love her. She's dead now, though. So, I mean, we're not going to see <laughs> much more from her. But Karen Black in this movie is like full tilt Karen Black crazy. She is trying so hard to act like kind of like functioning mom, but is dressing like real sexy for some reason. Um, she has probably one of the more gruesome demises in this film. But... It, how did they get her? Like, that's what I want to know. Is this like the start of when she's like, hey, I kind of need money because I can't really bank off of stuff I did 20 years ago? Hasn't Karen Black always done that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of her yeah. career. Burn right? notice. <laughs> she was in It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive. So, I mean, she's, you know. Well, and she was getting that's all. That's called a paycheck. <laughs> she was getting all dolled up because she was trying to seduce that uh, pet cemetery dude. Edward Furlong? Yeah. <laughs> that one. <laughs> no, Daryl. We're talking about Daryl. So, Sean, you sent out multiple tweets about the pain you felt watching these Mirror Mirror movies. <laughs> uh, now is your couch, man, your 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 psych couch to deal with it. So t t give us your perspective. No, it's, I've, I'd never heard of these at all, and... Um, like at all, like I can't believe this is a series that has, you know, went by me and, and I never even heard about, especially like with, in the first one with Steven, Steven Tobolowsky being in it and, um, oh, what's his name? He's a character actor. I think he shows up in most of these, um, William Sanderson. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Daryl. Mm -hmm. Daryl. Um, yeah, Daryl. Yeah. Um, and. Darryl. Daryl. No, in in Mirror Mirror three, a, a special uh, a special actor shows up that I couldn't believe that he was in there. So there's like you know, little nuggets of joy to be found, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was you know I didn't know what I'd got myself into. Nuggets more along the lines as the, as the movie series went along. Um, I did enjoy the fact that I I got the Winona Ryder Beetlejuice thing like right away, but. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Like, the first one and second one were not that bad. Semi-enjoyable. I agree completely with whoa, that. Whoa. Now, number one was totally enjoyable. And I did get excited that there is some mirror making out. That is always a plus. Sean, will you tell us your thoughts? Yeah, that mirror demon sex in number one was, was <laughs> pretty tasty. We should also take a moment now, before we move on, we should take a moment to note that all the official releases of Mirror Mirror are out of print. It was put out, I believe, in the year 2000, the first one, on Anchor Bay DVD. And then uh, in 2004, they put out a – it is the gold standard of my DVD collection, but they put out a four-film collection uh, of the Mirror Mirror films, and that is out of print as well. Box set. It's a box set. Yeah, you have to slip that shit off. You slip it in. It feels good. <laughs> Slipping and slide. I think it's, only, it's, it's still like 40 bucks. So it's not that bad yet. I thought it was like 60. Isn't it like 60? Yeah. 
Has it gone up? It's probably gone up by now. Because no one fucking wants it. That's why it's cheap. <laughs> there's only five. There's only five copies of it out in the world. We're gonna get to this when we talk to part two. But the producer of this series, Jimmy Lifton, has put the first two films on his official youtube channel so you can actually click over to jimmy lifton's uh subscriber page on youtube and watch mirror mirror 1990 and watch the next film we're going to talk about mirror mirror 2 raven dance we'll be right back i believe they're also on amazon stop Prime. i already said we'll be right back stop it raven i said we'll dance. be right back we'll be right back he said it we'll be right back said it be back we'll be right back gonna be back Uh-oh. we'll be right back Hello out there fans of Lousy Weather Media. My name is BJ Colangelo and I'm a writer and filmmaker out of Cleveland, Ohio. Along with my longtime collaborative partner, Zach Schilwachter, we're making a project called Powerbomb. Powerbomb tells the story of an independent wrestler on the verge of breaking into the big time, but he's contemplating saying goodbye to his dream in order to spend more time with his wife, a retired wrestler, and their budding family. But when our wrestler's biggest fan hears the news, He takes matters into his own hands to make sure that his favorite wrestler makes it to the top by any means necessary. Our lead wrestler is played by Matt Cross of Lucha Underground fame, and we're currently running an Indiegogo campaign. For more information, visit our website, www.sickeningpictures.com backslash IGG. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Rave unto the joy fantastic. It's 1994, and we are going to talk about Mirror Mirror 2, Raven Dance. This is an auteur effort. This was written and directed by the great Jimmy Lifton, who did the music for not just this film, but for the entire series. Which, let me say, the music for the original is amazing. Oh, yeah. The, it's the, really the good. Theme? Oh, it's, it's great. It's really good. Yeah. It's very, like, Lynchian. Yeah. In, yeah, in in a very early '90s direct-to-video way. way. Yeah. Yes, uh, Mirror Mirror Two Raven Dance, not the Raven, not Two Raven Two Dance, but Mirror Mirror Two Raven Dance. Uh, it's about a mysterious mirror that's found hidden in a church orphanage, yet few realize its legacy of evil. When an innocent teen discovers that she is being stalked by her evil stepsister, the mirror's demonic power is again unleashed, as if we were to know. Anyway. What the fuck are you reading? As exactly. the mirror gains strength from the blood of the damned, the ultimate battle between good <laughs> and evil begins. The ultimate battle. Ultimate what? means final. Ultimate means last. No, this is the IMDb plot summary written by a user <laughs> called The Voyeur. So we'll. I think we could figure oh. out who The Voyeur is. Evil? Billy Drago. Totally Ooh. Billy Drago because, okay, I'm going to read you the Mike, Mike D just stole my stole my stick. I was going to read you the one for, for three, which has, anyways, we'll, okay. we'll talk we'll, about we'll it. Get, we get we'll we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. But before we get to this, uh, reading this synopsis, it did make me think, who he hum, 
don't I know somebody that has a podcast that would like to talk about churchy, mysterious things and powers beyond both good and evil? Not not an ultimate battle, per se, but perhaps a, a penultimate philosophical discussion. And it, 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 is that person <laughs> you, Sean DeRegger? Yeah, yeah, that's me. I had uh, I started up a podcast a few years back that I called The Armchair Philosopher, and uh, that was too much to type out. So, of course, taking a note from the band MXPX, I decided to do AXPX. So it's called The AXPX Podcast. Rockin'. Because they were, they were known as Magnified Plaid, and of course, you know, you don't want to say Magnified Plaid all the time. So, yeah, I totally ripped off their trick. <laughs> So, so the, AX, the AXPX, you just started a new season, right? I just started a new season, season four. Uh, season two and three are very short. But I started this up when I went through a big old crisis of faith uh, probably four or five years back. And I kind of used it as my own therapy to kind of talk to other people and explore other ideas and uh, kind of go through this whole, I guess, journey and kind of understand other people and their um, their different beliefs and, and different faiths and and uh, it was cool. It, it actually helped. Like the, a year of that actually helped me purge a lot of shit uh, out of my own you know uh, my own faith journey. And so yeah, it's, been, it's always been in the background. So I decided to uh, to start it up again. Um, I'm I'm working on getting Stephen Tobolowski on the show. He has a book coming out, and uh, our paths crossed a little bit too late. I was hoping to get him involved for this podcast, but. Uh, but I guess, you know, just doing a lot of interviews with, with people about different things and their beliefs and stuff like that. So it's it's fun trying to keep a light and tongue in cheek uh, attitude towards religion and stuff like that. Beautiful, man. So go check out the AXPX wherever you get your fine podcasts. But let's jump into Mirror Mirror 2, Two Raven, Two Dance, 1994, directed and written by Mr. Jimmy Lifton. So, um... We have, like I said uh, at break, we do have an interview with the writer-director, Jimmy Lifton. Um, so we are not going to spend as long on this film as we did the first one. But I do want to talk to you guys about the the pedigree of, of this film. Because what's weird, Brad and I were talking off-air a couple weeks ago, is that there's even a Mirror Mirror 2 in the first place. <laughs> so let's go around the room. Let's talk about how this connects to the first one, if we think it does it all. And how, yes, Sarah, your hand is up as if everyone can see you, but I can. So I'm calling on you. I've already given you the verbal high five. You may speak now. So here's the thing, uh, the mirror, the, continu yeah. the continuation of the mirror, right? Um, I, what I found really interesting is that we, so throughout this series um we have the same fucking mirror the same fucking mirror that is was there a mirror in the second one too is a mirror so it's the same fucking mirror and yet it does different things right like so you'd assume that if it's the same fucking mirror it'd be the same fucking demon inside of this mirror every single time we do have this weird like fucking yeah yeah where the fuck is the same the same demon? fucking demon in this case whatever the fuck it's supposed to be is a raven appears in some sort of raven form um and it dances and it fucking dances. Well, I don't know if you'd be able to have the same demon after the second one because Mark Ruffalo penetrates him and they <laughs> sprinkle away into you the You are mixing of the up mirror. your mirror mirrors. No, sir. this is the second one, fool. This is Raven no. Dance. Yeah, I know. 
I got you. He penetrates that demon. So and you're they saying go... a Mark Ruffalo penetration <laughs> Nix's demon. Is that, is that also, where we're... this demon in the second one all of a sudden has the power of electricity. It's very high voltage. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, hold on. Let's, Sean, I'm going to go to you on this one because this one's super, super churchy, bro. But... <laughs> So what's what's going on here? We have we have an orphanage, we have a nunnery, we have what what is this place? And what is our innocent girl doing there? Well, she she finds herself uh, in this church orphanage uh, for some. I can't remember. It's not in my notes. I can't remember why. But she's kind of a little rebellious. Family She's an orphan. Orphan. She's She's an orphan. Orphan. She's an orphan. orphan. So she's stuck in this, uh, you know, she's uh, stuck in this orphanage, has to follow down the path of Catholicism and, uh, you know, appease all the nuns and everything. Uh, and there's no other children there. And her brother is there, too, correct? Yes. Um, it is just her and her brother there because everybody else is out on a trip with the other nuns. Right. So Even though we never see another bedroom. Except Roddy yeah. McDowell and Hot Lips. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So yes, that's what that's what's happening. They're out on a trip with the other nuns, so they are the only children there. Is Mirror Mirror Two opens up with a band has snuck into a church, correct? Yeah. They, they had not snuck in. They were there for they had not snuck in because of were, her. No, they hadn't snuck in. They were there for they some were sort filming. of filming. They were filming a music video. Yes, for yeah. charity. For charity. Okay, so they okay, were brought okay. there for charitable purposes. For the church's sake. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> a really odd early cameo of Maynard James Keenan from Perfect Circle and Tool. You're full of shit. I am full of shit. You Good. saw my face when I put this on. I was like, do I go with a Mark Romanek music video director reference or do I go I with Maynard? I don't pay attention to your shit. <laughs> you got to learn the body language of Mike. He did a little belly shake before he said that. <laughs> that means he's about to tell a joke. Like, like I'm old St. Nick, my jolly old belly shake. You getting your chuckle fuckery ready? All, all I know is that a, a, a young... Hot to trot Mark Ruffalo mm-hmm. shows up and seduces our young heroine, possibly to take her down to the dark side of Satan. Mm. Sean, this is my <laughs> Sean, this is my favorite part of the movie, Sean. What is Mark Ruffalo's name in this movie? Catholic. Christian motherfucker. <laughs> he, he wakes her up and goes, Hi, I'm Christian. No, that's my name. Like, there's no punctuation. <laughs> He's like, this is going to get, re- like, if you could believe it, lady. Like, Mark Ruffalo in this movie, like, I couldn't believe it was him because the acting was so bad. Like, I was. <laughs> whoa, like, whoa, he, whoa, He was really bad in this movie, Jim. You know, compared to what you've seen Mark Ruffalo do. Up, Sarah? He was Damn. terrible in this movie. And I love Mark Ruffalo. And I'm like, Disagree. Oh, this is so Disagree. early on. Although then, he did look everybody uncomfortable. Everybody does bad work. Right. He, he did. He looked uncomfortable a couple times. Yeah, he looks super awkward. There, there's a reason. He's getting fucked by the demon. <laughs> that's the thing. I is thought what? he was fucking the demon. I, I, I thought he was the fucking demon. Oh, shit. <laughs> he is. It's a metaphor. There, There is a good reason why Mark Ruffalo looks so awkward in this movie. And uh, we'll get to that when we talk to Jimmy Lifton. But um, not only is this an early film appearance of Mark Ruffalo, it's literally his first the film. The only. Oh, wait. Oh, no. <laughs> his only appearance, right? Oh. You got it right. Ding, ding, just, ding. Yeah, that's it. It's just Mirror Mirror and the Hulk, baby. That's it. <laughs> yeah. 
Mirror, mirror in the nunnery. B- BJ, throughout the movie, we see this hot to trot. I believe that's how Sarah described him. We see hot to trot Mark Ruffalo, and he's so mysterious. We're told that multiple <laughs> times. Christian, why are you so mysterious? BJ, why do you think Christian was so mysterious? What was going on with Christian? I think that he was uh, not just fucking with the, the mirror demon, but I think that Ooh. it's kind of like the Spice Girls to become one situation. <laughs> <laughs> where he's taking on the attributes of the mirror demon because they're they're that close to each other. But I think Mark Ruffalo at the time, like as an actor, I mean, obviously I have not gotten to hear the lovely interview with uh, James Lipson yet, but I think this is the same as like when Hayden Christensen and Ryan Gosling and all of them were on Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark? And they were all trying to be like, oh, this is my big break. I'm on this cool show and I'm, the hot cool guy and i think mark ruffalo was trying to like really put that out so maybe it's not even in the writing that he's supposed to be to become one with this mirror and that's just that was a choice that he made i don't know look when you hold up ryan gosling's say cheese and die and you hold up say cheese and die (laughs) again with the other actor who's not ryan gosling you can tell which one of them was gonna end up fucking sandra bullock as a neo-nazi at the the height of his career come on now it's true. It's true. They, it's true. Yeah. So when you watch Mirror Mirror 2, do you see do you see the roots of, of the great Mark Ruffalo? I don't. And that's why I was so confused. But by the time we get to 3, which we're going to talk about, he's he's improved by like leaps and bounds. And then I'm confused as to why he's in 3. Because he I'm fucked like, the demon. He go get a real job. <laughs> well, because he did the, the, the director love him. Isn't that what's going on? Yeah. uh, Okay, one thing. I want to go back. I want to go back, and uh, I wish we talked to James Lipton as well, because BJ said we talked to James Lipton. We talked to Jimmy Lipton. If we we could get James Lipton, (laughs) holy shit. Oh, I'm really good at names. Um, the great Lee Strasberg. But if something, Sean, I think you were about to get into this. How we how we use characters over again in these in these movies. So the thing we right. have, we haven't talked about is how there's some sort of weird space time continuum. <laughs> how people are how whatever we we it always opens with a scene that seems to be back in the olden days, whatever that is, whatever whatever era that is, and then we flash forward to the end of the movie, and you see the main characters from. What you think is, you know, the contemporary or the contemporary time um, reenacting whatever we saw at the beginning. History repeating itself. Totally. But it's not history repeating itself because it's like, ooh, were it's they supposed to be influenced by the past that. Right. Yeah. In a weird. But they never exactly. Dimensional sort of way. Explain what, what their point is. Like whether they, whether, <laughs> whether it's just two people like reenacting the same like timeline over and over again or if they're supposed to be different people or if people just get trapped in this endless loop and there's like a really interesting idea there yeah that they never explore i well they do and i get <laughs> i get jimmy lifton to say what that is okay and you guys aren't you guys aren't entirely wrong but brad when we were talking a couple weeks ago you were like it's it's a fucking miracle that there's even a mirror mirror too where does where does this one uh rank for you brother how do you feel about mirror mirror 2 I have I have two answers. 
One is completely unrated, uh, unrelated to the question. For some reason, when you guys keep mentioning about Mark Ruffalo and the demon fucking, all I can picture is take the ending to Prince of Darkness when the hand is going through the mirror and the demon hand is on the other side and they're grasping each other's hand. All I keep picturing is Mark Ruffalo's dick <laughs> going through the mirror and the demon slowly caressing it. And that's how. Okay. So, but anyways, how this actually rates for me. That sounds like the worst glory hole. And here's the thing is I was actually, I was actually grabbing my arm and caressing it with my other hand during that. Like that was supposed to mean like you could see that. That's true. Your nickname is not baby arm. It's middle-aged arm. (laughs) Oh God. Um, This one ranks. Here's the thing is like, it's, it's hard to rank them because they're so different. Like I've never, I, I don't know how many franchises that are just completely just fucking bizarre as this one, because it was like everything's just so jarring from one movie to the next. I mean, we have our first one that is kind of we've already sp- spoke about. It's '90s straightforward horror. Then we have this one that is almost like a full moon movie. It feels like where there's a lot of fantasy yes. and like. Like, it feels like Charles Band was behind this thing. Like, a lot of circusy music. And I don't know, it's just that horror fantasy thing. Especially, like, when she dances. Like, she has her dance number, you know? Like, it had yeah. very similar feel feels to, like, like the Bride of Frankenstein. Like, the Sting Bride of Frankenstein or, like, Meridian. Meridian. Yes! Like, but you know what I mean? Like, that, yeah. Yeah, it had a very similar yeah, feel. Yeah, that fantasy, fantasy it was level. Like, uh, it was like Legend. <laughs> Jim has a contact tire. <laughs> I'm sorry, but have you seen Legend? Yes. Excuse me. Uh, yes. Can we not make a comparison to the devil dancing with the girl with the black hair now? Yes. Yes. You're right. Just yes. saying. Um, but it, it 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 ranks up there with me. I mean, it's like all of them. I I just enjoy because I tell you, I got to give the series credit for one thing is that they didn't rehash the same fucking thing over and over and over other than that fucking mirror sorry right i mean the the mirror carries over but it's the same thing as like a slasher you know it's a killer the killer pops up at a camp or a fucking neighborhood and everybody dies at least with this one like the atmosphere changes like the the first one's very atmospheric how it's how it's filmed like it lo- it looks like it gives you kind of the creeps it's got the gothic look this one it has that fantasy thing third one's erotic like horror and then the fourth one is like fucking Blair Witch 2 type shit. It's erotic er- as there's, fuck. There's nothing erotic about the third <laughs> one. Uh, we're going to get to the third one here in just a moment. I'm sorry. I got a boner. I don't know about you guys. Oh, that's sad, Brad. <laughs> I just, hey, speaking of boners, can we talk about uh, the nun that uh, was speaking also in... She was also uh, the woman who pukes a bunch of cherries in the Witches of Eastwick. Yep. Yeah, she was great. I just wanted to point that out. Hold on, the 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 old evil lady in Witches of Eastwick who pukes the cherries. You have a boner for her? Well, <laughs> no, I didn't say I had a boner per se. Said he I'm had not a saying that I'm hiding my boner right now. It's not under my belt or I anything right now. That. Do we need to find a good therapist? I'm just saying that she's a great actress. And she's a great actress. She was in okay. this movie, and we haven't talked about her at uh, all. Veronica Cartwright. Veronica Cartwright. Yeah, Veronica yeah. Cartwright. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who's also an alien? Yeah, she is. Yeah, she's she the is. one who gets oh, yeah. stuck in. She's like the 
third to last to die, mm-hmm. second to last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Shawing. <laughs> She's crying through that whole fucking movie. She annoys the shit out of me. So we are going to listen now to the interview with writer, director, composer, editor, producer, and actually he's an actor in the next film as well. So here's your interview with Jimmy Lifton. We'll be right back. Why don't I like the girl I see? So joining us today is Mr. Jimmy Lifton. Jimmy wrote the theme song and composed music for the first Mirror Mirror film. He wrote and directed the second Mirror Mirror entry, the one we'll primarily be talking about here, Raven Dance. He also appeared as an actor in the third entry and produced the third and fourth entries of Mirror Mirror. How are you doing, Mr. Lifton? I'm doing very fine, thank you. Very good. So if you could give us a little bit of your background right quick um, before you got involved with the Mirror Mirror series, tell us about how you came to filmmaking or how, rather, filmmaking came to you. Um, well, very quickly, um, I was a recording artist with Atlanta Records for a very short spot, and we uh, produced and directed a lot of music videos at that time. And then from there, made a a um, easy cross into filmmaking. Actually, I produced all of the Mirror Mirror movies. I scored the first one and second one and the fourth one. Uh, but uh, actually, did I score the third one as well? I think actually I did. Anyways, um, but yeah, that's how I got into those projects. Very good. Can you tell us how you became attached to um, the first Mirror Mirror project? Uh, sure, yeah. Um I mean, I went out and, and put the project together, um, the producer, so we raised the money for it. Uh, then I was fortunate enough to be introduced to two great writers, a sister uh, sister act, as it were, Annette and Gina Cascone. and they wrote this uh, pretty cool script, Mirror, Mirror. Um, I knew the director, Marina Sargenti, because um, I had uh, um, produced some um, music uh, video with her and uh, commercials with her. So um, when I got the project, uh, then I hired Marina on it, and then uh, we started to cast it. And you were heavily involved with the casting process in all four of the films? Yes, yes. I was a deci- Well, the director's always a deciding factor, but I, I did all the deals, so I guess I was in, in there somehow. <laughs> yeah, one of the cool things about the Mirror Mirror series is its very eclectic cast, from Karen Black to Roddy McDowell, Mark Ruffalo, Billy Drago. Yeah. How did um how did the offers go out to some of these folks to get involved in this series? Oh geez. I mean we worked with some wonderful casting directors. Uh some of it was by fluke. I mean really at that time Mark Ruffalo was just starting his career. Um and Mark actually came in and read for the first mirror mirror. And I wanted to hire him but the director was not crazy about his performance so 
we didn't have Mark in the first movie, though as soon as I took the reins in the second movie, I, I definitely hired Mark. And then he was there, you know, subsequently in the third as well. Uh, Billy Drago, we've done, I've done a bunch of movies with Billy. He's just a great, great person and, and a pretty nasty uh, image on screen. Oh, yeah, he's he's fantastic. Roddy McDowell was probably my um, my most wonderful experience. I mean, um, just because Mark Ruffalo, I mean, I just didn't know that he was going to be big because he wasn't big at that time. So we had a great experience. We, but with Roddy McDowell, I, I was fortunate enough to not really know what I was doing directing. He kind of helped me through the whole process, which was God bless him for that. Yeah, it's so cool. When you look at his IMDb page, this is quite literally the first feature film that uh, The Incredible Hulk appears in. Oh, is it? You know, I've never actually looked that up. Yeah, so... Yeah, he has a couple TV spots and uh, I think a short film, but uh, Raven Dance is the is the first one. Yeah, he's still the same. I mean, he still has, he still has that brooding delivery, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I love that he's cast, too, in Raven Dance and kind of a, an off-type character. Someone a little bit more yeah. uh, unhinged, unfriendly. <laughs> so tell us about unhinged. I like that. <laughs> tell us about Mirror Mirror Two, Raven Dance. Um, how that all came about. How you decided to uh, take the helm on that yourself? Um, you know, I just um, wanted to try some some different things and and bring Ruffalo on board. So um, I took the helm on that one. Uh, wanted to do something a little out there. Some of it worked. Some of it not so great, you know, as a director's perspective. Um, but definitely the most fun I've had in a long, long, long time. So great cast, as you stated. I mean, these guys were already, you know, up there in their years, but already had success with them. So they were just like, uh, unbelievable on the set. Sally Kellerman was just, I mean, she is what she is up there and she was fantastic. And we did a table read before the show. At, um, at Sally Kellerman's house with Roddy McDowell and her, and that was like the best. <laughs> oh, I imagine so. That was absolutely the best. And then let's not forget William Sanderson, who was the toy maker from Blade Runner. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So William Sanderson and I became actually no, no longer just because I lost touch, but for a while there we became very good friends. And he's just so he's one of these guys. If you remember in the Toy Maker, I mean, he's just interesting character let's put it that way always felt like he was like right on the edge or could be pushed like right over the edge so that's what we did in raven dance because he was berserk in raven dance I and mean, he was there's a scene where we have a crow and then of course we have a crow on a stick so we have <laughs> both but <laughs> and it's not a delicacy but anyways um but he went he went nuts i mean it was just wonderful uh, working with him and kind of like pushing the envelope and uh, yeah, so that was a great scene. Oh, fantastic! Now I'm I'm just curious personally. When you watch Mirror Mirror Two Raven Dance during the opening credits, it never says Mirror Mirror Two at the beginning of the movie. It's just only referred to as Raven Dance. Was this scene right. was this scene as a as something on its own, and was it kind of sequelized for home video, or did you have this anthology planned all along? Yeah, I kind of when I went into the number two, um, I I kind of had the anthology vision but then by the time we hit three the really the only way we could get three off the ground is by calling it three so you know finance kind of took the, the took it at that point or the you know the ability to finance it so 
Um, but really, I wanted to turn it into an anthology where they'd all be the mirror, mirror stories. Like the common thread would be mirror, mirror, but they would all have the separate identities. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd really always appreciated that uh, about the series, that it didn't always seem like a, a cash grab with the title just to, you know, get fans hooked um, uh, that loved the previous entries. There was always an easy entry point for, for new folks watching the, the movies. Now, what was your inspiration for Mirror Mirror 2? I know you kind of um, adopted a lot of the, the themes and the tone from the first movie, but the story itself, where did, where did that come from, Jimmy? Oh, I don't know. You know, long rock and roll nights, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> just, uh, I, I mean, I'd love to say something brilliant about how, you know, I was looking at a tree and it just popped into my mind. But, um, I mean, one of the one of the elements, maybe some of the elements drove me and drove how the script came about. But I really wanted to do this whole uh, macabre dance sequence that, you know, to a waltz. I always had that in my head. So that was kind of actually one of the driving forces. And from there, it kind of turned into this this story that, um, I mean, you know, I, I like so many parts of it, but I'm very critical of myself on a lot of parts of it, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we, we all are that have uh, artistic endeavors, for sure. What involvement did you have with number three besides producing? You do appear on screen, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, I put it together. I, I very good friend of mine who's actually I'm in business with in another venture right now, Virginia Perfilli directed that one. So I kind of gave her the reins on, on the vision and, and how to approach it. Um, we already knew Billy Drago and I have worked with Billy Drago on other movies. I, I produced that aren't part of this series because this, I produce now 19 features and won two Emmys and five golden reels to, uh, to date. And I actually have another film starting to shoot on the 6th of uh, March. But in any event, um, so Billy Billy is just Billy. We needed a, a Billy role, and he was perfect, and we were all friends at that point. So um, anyways, Virginia did a, a great job. I, I loved a lot of things about three. Yeah, and you actually cast Billy again in part four, and it's in an entirely different role. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Strange how that happened. He yeah. got killed in three, but he mysteriously re-erects himself in a totally different person in four. No, I love it. It's it's almost as if uh, it's like a prototypical American horror story. How they use the same actors year after year in that show. Yeah, yeah. Think they think they might have took a nod from you, Jimmy. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, but look, at I got to tell you, you know, it's kind of like you know when you start to make more than one movie, you know, it becomes um, like you want to have your friends with you. Because then it's that makes it just all that more fun. So you know, for that period of time, I mean, Billy Drago, we were all good friends at that time. So, um, yeah, so it was really nice. So, who controls the licensing um, rights for the Mirror Mirror series? Because it, it it's always struck me as odd that there's four of these movies that feature so many Hollywood actors in them, and they they're good. They're it's a good anthology, but it's so underseen. Yeah, this is this is a classic example of distribution nightmare or distribution quagmire, better word. So, not to get into a lot of specifics, but we sold the first one, split it up at that time. He did international with a group and then domestic with a group. And the people who took domestic, they went bankrupt, 
or they went bankrupt is the wrong word, so in case anyone's checking out. Let's just say it changed hands, because I don't know all the details of what they went through, but when it changed hands, the library, that the entire library this company had, including us, got basically, you know, it disappeared. I mean, not literally, but, you know, figuratively. And then since then, it was sold again. You know, it's been one of those. So tracking the rights. So we don't have we don't have the rights to release it right now, um, which is unfortunate, really unfortunate, because obviously it is it is unfortunate. Yeah, because there's some great moments in in these pictures for sure, and some great. I mean, forget the there's some great actors and great performances that that uh, you know definitely worth seeing. Oh, for sure. Anchor Bay put out a great set um, well over ten years ago, but since then there's been no resurrection of it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Do you know if it is available streaming anywhere in the world? Um, because I I believe part one is, but uh, possibly. Last I looked, which was I don't know, I haven't looked lately, but you know, a few months ago, uh, it wasn't. I I just saw lots of bad bootleg copies coming out of like you know parts of Europe. Yeah. Eastern Europe stuff like that. So yeah, I own yeah. I own the set personally, and we've had to pass it around with my uh, my crew, and we're having to get it into the mail to Southern California and Florida for this other podcast that uh, that's also going to be featured nutty. on our show. So we're trying we're trying to nutty, spread the nutty. love around, but we also want to keep it totally legal and get our get our <laughs> listeners in on it too. Um, yeah. Besides uh, some of the great moments with your friends on the set, um, any other fond memories from the Mirror Mirror series that uh, that come to mind? Let's see. Um, my my favorite companion dog was with me on the second one, and I had to put him down after that. But I dedicated the movie to him, so that's probably my most touching moment. I dedicated at the end to Cesar, and that wasn't like you know. My, the, a guy next door is actually my dog. So yeah, I was wondering who Cesar was. Um, spelled with Z's, right? C e z a r r e. Yeah. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> what do you have coming up next? You said a film starts shooting March six. Yeah, I've got a film start shooting March six. Um, pretty nice one. It's a um, uh, sci-fi apocalyptic type of thing. Um, it's actually an anth- uh, an anthology series. So three. Uh, great stories that are going in each one with very much like a Twilight Zone feel in each one. Uh, very good. Um, I'd love to stay in touch with you guys on that one. We're just casting it right now. We got some nice, nice, nice bites. Very small ensemble cast in this first one. Um, what else? So yeah, we, I'd love to keep you keep in touch with you about those projects. Oh yeah, we'd love to hear about it. And you also have, I, I forget how many Emmys you listed off, but you do a lot of sound work for television and film. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the work that you're currently doing in that domain? Yeah, I mean, for I, I uh, co-founded a company called Oracle Post, and we were doing, we were doing big films. So I got um, for an Emmy for Kung Fu Panda and uh, Madagascar, you know, the Penguins Madagascar, and then we also did... Um, SpongeBob SquarePants and a lot of animation stuff. I did all the sound behind that stuff for years and years and years. As a father of a five-year-old and a, a seven-year-old, I've I've heard a lot of your work, sir. <laughs> you probably have, yeah. little SpongeBob himself. Um, so, Jimmy, if you don't mind, we are going to wrap it up. Thank you for joining us here today. All right, I appreciate it. 
Okay, so let's talk about number three. Um, number three, one of my my favorite things is when I looked up number three. I was trying to I was trying to find a version of this anywhere um, before Mike D was able to hand me the DVD, and I looked it up, and it says it doesn't say horror anywhere on its description. It says fantasy pornographic, yeah. <laughs> and I was like. I was like, okay, here we go. Here Take we my go. Money. Right. And I'm like visions of boarding house like start flashing through that, my head. That description makes my mind go to much wilder places than this film the, allows. So this film does not deserve the fantasy or pornographic <laughs> portion of it. Something that we want to talk about today is like where the franchise derailed. Um, and I'm going to have to say that it is with this film. Um, I will read you the dis- the description off of IMDb. Um, and then we can talk about who wrote this description because it has uh, no basis in reality. So it says, a young man discovers a mysterious mirror and begins to have disturbing visions of forbidden passion and brutal murder. But when he, but he also finds a beautiful woman back from the dead. And a detective with a thirst for vengeance. The real terror has only just begun. The mirror sees all. But what shocking secrets will it reveal? Question mark by the voyeur. Now, what? What? Has this person seen this movie? (laughs) I think think the voyeur made these movies. I think that might be a handle for Jimmy Lifton. Really? Because what... What about that describes the movie? Well, Billy Drago was much younger. When the young man thing, right? The young man portion of it. I'm like, so first of all, so here's the actual plot line: is an artist moves into the house of his of his murdered mistress or disappeared <laughs> mistress, right? He moves into her house knowing that her husband has gone missing, that she's gone missing. Intentionally moves into her house like a fucking creeper. Um. As we discover in the film, he knows that she performs like these witchcraft ceremonies in front of this mirror as part of like some, what is it called? Like erotic witchcraft? What is that called? I don't know. It looks like you're a beetle playing bass <laughs> when you're doing your erotic move. I'm rubbing my, I'm rubbing my fake boobs X- that are apparently out on the sides of me. Um, <laughs> So, so some of my favorite things about about this movie, the movie that derailed the franchise, if that's at all possible, are the sex scenes. The sex scenes that are like super skinamax and how they always have sex in the same position. They were your favorite part of the they movie? They were my favorite part. Oh, all right. That they says my... a lot about this movie. Was... It's how you imagine sex when you're like 13 years old. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like and... you just, oh, you're, we're naked and we're just rubbing up against each other. Exactly. Whoa. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> My boner just lo- I lost my boner and it crawled up inside my body. As well you should have. Like saying You're you welcome. had a boner about this movie concerns me about your sex life, Brad. Um, no, I did. I got tired of the- No, I think Sean's blah, blah. Oh, that was that was John. No, I think that's them like rubbing their they didn't even kiss. They just like were rubbing their mouths against each other. Just like Not only not only did they kiss, they looked their tongues looked like when the snails oh God, are it's... fucking in that movie Microcosmos, that French nature documentary, when the when the fucking snails fuck. But it was just it was just fucking our friend uh how do you say his name? Drago? Billy Drago. Billy Drago slithering his tongue. Into into Monique Perry's the antithesis of Chuck Norris <laughs> mouth. 
I mean, it's it's boners back. It's just. <laughs> and let's talk about let's talk about. I want to. Uh, so there's something about Monique Parent. Okay, hold that on, much Sarah. Like, we need to talk about one thing. What? What do you want to talk about? Just pick one thing. What I are we going to talk, talk about? about everything. Sexy Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Sexy Mark Ruffalo. No, I don't even want to get into that. I want to talk about Drago. Okay, I want to talk it. about Come fucking on. I Drago. I see it in your eyes. I see it. Spit the Drago game. Let's um, do it. So I'm, Billy Drago's eyebrows. I'm going to read to you <clears throat> the description of Drago on IMDb that I am sure that he put up himself. Um <laughs> <laughs> Drago is well known for his villainous parts. He is renowned for his rugged yet scary looks and evil smile. Villainous parts? Right, exactly. Like Wayne? Exactly. His rugged <laughs> yet scary looks and evil smile. He just okay, stole so that from Willem Dafoe. Is that exactly. signed off as the voyeur also? I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> the voyeur. <laughs> no, there's no sign Who off. Who is the voyeur? I don't know, but it sounds to me like when I think Draco of the voyeur. Draco is a dedicated actor who has produced an, an <laughs> instructional acting video with his late wife. Yeah, cool. So when I think of the voyeur, I don't think of somebody who's just like super into movies. I think of it like the guy who talks a couple into having a threesome and then sits there in the corner and jerks off the whole time. Because that's what a voyeur is. Yes. (laughs) I thought that was a cuck. Is that the dictionary? No, that's not a cuck. Get out of here, man. That's a conservative. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Who... Uh, Brad, I want to hear your boner game, bro. Talk to us about your boner in this movie. And then I want to hear uh, about BJ's lady boner. And then I want to hear about Sean's lady boner. So let's do it. Oh, no boner happened. It, it inverted <laughs> this happened with me. Exactly. No, That's no, called no, a lady no, boner no. when it inverts, bro. It's those eyebrows, Brad, isn't it? It's, it's Monique's eyebrows in this it's movie. It's the eyebrows. It's the eyebrows. No, no. What gives me a boner about this movie is that the sex scenes, yes, they do take in the same position. But... I like how she's on his stomach rather than his pelvic region because Drago's so big and long, he can reach that far into her anus. (laughs) So she has to ride (laughs) up near his face. Because he's just pounding the shit out of this woman. You you have this as as buttus coitus. (laughs) Yes, I didn't. I didn't. I did not imagine this. I didn't see buttus coitus. Wow, Brad. Opening like. Open for a rewatch now. Brad knows how to overthink Does porn. Does everybody have a boner now? Everybody. Everybody. My basement is so flooded right now. Like, call a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> so, PJ, tell us about your femme boner. Um, I like to, yeah, I like to refer to it as a, a flooded basement. Um, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the eyebrows, man. Like, when I think sex appeal, I think strong eyebrows that don't necessarily match the uh, the hair on top of your head. And that's yes. Billy Drago's got that going on in spades in this movie. Oh my god, so, his wig. His wig. Is, is that a wig? I don't know if it's a wig or if it's uh, it, it's definitely a piece for sure. Because if, if that's his real hair, I, we need to send him some, some condition. <laughs> Piece of dick. <laughs> Sean, what's doing it for you? BJ oh, sorry. BJ, BJ is not done. That basement is flooded. All right. <laughs> um, we're building an ark over here just so we can all survive. Um, Hopefully Noah's not home with Sean. 
this is this is definitely the one I agree that makes it kind of go off the rails. But I don't know if I think it goes off the rails in a bad way. I almost wish that the fourth one would have went further in the same direction as the third one, because then I think it would have just turned into like Dr. Caligari, like sex nonsense. And that would have been wonderful. I agree completely. <laughs> if it went, if it went even deeper into the actual like pornographic, I'd have been totally down with this movie. Yeah. And Drago can do that. Cause he's so big. <laughs> Sean, where is your dick at? Oh, Robert's oh, no. Here. Okay, children. Go, go. Children. Children. <laughs> Woohoo! Say hi. They're back. We're back. Let's just do it. Hey, buddy. Hey, Noah. Daddy better not be talking about naughty things. Daddy better not talking about naughty things. (laughs) Yes. Go play. What was I saying? We were talking about your boner for this movie. Yeah, Yeah, where's your boner at? (laughs) No, I... I was a little bit concerned because this wasn't the voyeur directed by Tinto Brass. So right then I was like, Tinto Brass ain't involved. I'm not sure if I can really have anything to do with this. Because there is a Tinto Brass film called The Voyeur. Cool story, bro. Tell us what happened to your penis when you hit play. (laughs) (laughs) Well, nothing. Nothing happened at all. The, uh, the... Way that I watched this was interesting because Sean, your wife I, doesn't listen to the show. You could tell us what happened to your penis when you hit play. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing happened. Um, but why are we even here? What are we no, doing? I gotta here? tell you guys how I watched and this. Man, show. Show. Really embarrassed about it. Quiet Coyote, everybody. Listen, Quiet Coyote. Uh, the the version of the film that I found was sped up like two times. Like everyone talked like Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> That was the version Mike D sent us. The image was like mirrored. So all the writing was backwards. So I was disoriented all the way through this film. Uh, I will say, though, that uh, is it. Uh, who's the actress? Is it Monique? Parent. Monique Parent. Uh, she's hot to trot. So really see this is see once again I was thinking that like Jimmy Lifton has a thing for women with weird faces and weird eyebrows like there was something like she is a beautiful woman in real life like I look looking up pictures of her she's absolutely like insanely beautiful now has like this long silver like sexy hair but there was something wrong with her face God, in Sarah, this movie. fucking shade likes them brows bro. it was those eyebrows this movie was just two people with eyebrows <laughs> eyebrowing each other maybe they got a thing for eyebrows I don't know it's got that amazing scene where she's wearing like the high-waisted pant like the the opening where she's in like the the high-waisted panties um with like the silk over her ass like i don't know how else to describe it (laughs) sounds right to me why do i remember these things (laughs) high-waisted panties and and she has the knife behind her back and her her boyfriend comes in off the set of the treasure of the sierra madre and he's like are you playing with that mirror again (laughs) and she's like yeah i'm playing with my mirror and let me talk about him for a second uh Look, one of my favorite things, John came over to watch part four because I had a physical media copy and and I I set up a big screening of it in our dentist office chairs or whatever the fuck we watch in that that splat house over at my place. But um, but I was like, no, you have to watch this Mexican drug dealer boyfriend. He 
he keeps trying to shoehorn in pop culture references. And like every scene that he has, his, yes. first, his first scene, he's like, stupid is as stupid does. He does. He does. He does. And then you know his, who he is, right? And then his next scene, he comes in the house and he goes, Lucy, you have some explaining to do. And then his next scene, he's fucking dying. His guts are hanging out, right? He, he's he's shot, and he the the FBI guy's like, you know, these guys have badges, and literally the motherfucker says, badges. We will need no stinking badges. I'm like, okay, you got TCM. We get it. You're cool. That's not him, though. It's not him that decided to say those lines. It, it's got to be. It's it gotta may be. have been. No, you, you know never who know. He is. You like, know who he is. He's the dude. He's the dude from the Offspring who says, "You gotta keep them separated." That's that dude. Wait, you know you're is being hundred percent. <laughs> yeah, every, no. Wow. Everything I say on this show is totally true. Wow. I don't know about that, Jim. He d- he does do a ton of voiceover work. Like he's. He was the Ghost in the Shell, um, Assassins. Uh, yeah, it just goes on and on and on. Fallout 4. Like, this is what he does. No, it's what he does. He primarily does voiceover work for video games with probably really offensive accents. You gotta so it as, it. as you just heard in the Jimmy Lifton interview, he said he wanted to bring Drago onto the series because he was just great friends with Billy Drago. And why wouldn't he bring a great friend of his onto a movie set so they could hang out? Um, so my question is, why would you bring your great friend onto a movie set? Were you just going to see him? Fuck. Um, the movie's called The Voyeur. Oh, and so do we think maybe. Your name's Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> <laughs> so do we think Do we think that The Voyeur, like this is a meta subtitle? The Voyeur's just referring to Jimmy Lifton's I think it must behind be. The scene? I don't know. Because there's no voyeurism in this film. There's no voyeurism. Nobody's watching other people fuck. Or is it the mirror that's the voyeur? Yes. Ooh. But doesn't the mirror represent Jimmy Lifton? Mm, no. no. No, not at all. Now, did Jimmy was Jimmy Lifton involved with Mirror Mirror 3? Because I'm not seeing that. Jimmy Lifton is in Mirror Mirror 3. He produced Mirror Mirror 3 and he uh wrote the music for Mirror Mirror 3. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. It was directed by Rachel Gordon and Virginia Perfili. Who were who I believe one of those was was Drago's wife. His his late wife that he made acting videos with? Yes. Now, oh, now yeah. when they made the acting videos, was she already dead? No, no when they made the acting videos. I want to know these questions. <laughs> these answers. questions are important. Um, we are about to move on to Mirror Mirror Volume 4, a.k.a. Reflections. We will be... All right, we'll be right back. With our reflections... <laughs> Greetings, Splathouse, Screamcast, and other genre film listeners. This is Jim Rock, and I want to let you know that next week, the Splathouse podcast will be dropping a new episode on a 1985 classic called The Legend of Billie Jean. That's right, starring Helen Slater and Christian Slater. Are they related? Are they married? You'll just have to listen to the show to find out. Now... We've been on a short hiatus for the past month, and there's a very good reason for that. The Splathouse is raising money to make its first feature film titled Blue Caveman. If you like what you hear on our show, you'll love what we do on the big screen. <laughs> Visit our Indiegogo page and search Blue Caveman. 
There, you'll find a plethora of sexy perks like Splathouse shirts and hoodies, as well as a Blu-ray of our film, Blue Caveman. Thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so we've got Mirror Mirror 4, also known as Reflections. Now, I have two descriptions of this movie. One of them, written by our friend The Voyeur. One of them, written by somebody that did not disclose a name. I'm going to read them both, and I'm going to see if you can figure out which one came from The Voyeur, and I would also (laughs) like to know which one you think is more accurate. (laughs) The first description... A homeless man possessing a passageway to hell recruits unhappy teens at a rave party. <laughs> or. Not the voyeur. Or. <laughs> Quiet coyote. Uh, <laughs> as a storm rages, five desperate people are caught in the mirror's power to reveal lost souls, broken dreams, second chances, and some very strange sexual vengeance. That's the voyeur. Ooh. That's the voyeur. You are correct. That is 100% the voyeur. That's the corner <laughs> masturbator. But which of those two descriptions is the more accurate one of what actually happens in this movie? The first one. Agreed. Una- unanimous. Yeah. Agreed wholeheartedly. Yeah. I don't know if the voyeur has actually seen these movies, but when looking at his IMDb profile, um, the only three summaries he's ever written are Mirror, 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 Mirror 2, and Mirror, Mirror 3. And I don't know how he's credited for Mirror Mirror 4, but he somehow is. So I'm assuming this is somebody involved in the film because that's all they've ever done on IMDb. So what we're (laughs) witnessing is Jimmy Lifton's like attempted explaining what he wanted these movies to be. That's what I feel. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that Mirror Mirror 4 quickly goes from... (sighs) the 90s sort of style of the original ones and thrusts itself into the new millennium uh, in a very, very big way. The way that it's shot looks very much like everything that came out in the early 2000s, kind of like the, uh, uh, the disturbing, it's disturbing behavior is still 90s, isn't it? Or is that? Yeah, yeah that's 90s. Nice. That's 90s. That's still 90s. So it's got like the, like a little bit cleaner than films like disturbing behavior, but not quite, you know, ultra-realistic, which is what everyone seems to be chasing now. Is that the high school movie that's got that one really good song on it? Yeah, by The Flies? Yeah. 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 Uh Got You Where I Want You? Yeah, James Marsden is in. Oh my god, can we just talk about him now? This, you're listening to the Marsden cast. (laughs) I just watched him on 30 Uh, Rock again. Tuck it up, Mike. So this movie is kind of a mess. It's directed by... Uh, Paulette Victor Lifton, uh, so that's either his wife or his daughter or his his daughter wife, whatever we would like to consider her to be, <laughs> and it does have does have PJ Souls in it, who I love very dearly. Totally, but I think if there if there's anything that connects Mirror Mirror Four to any of the other Mirror Mirrors, it's that it's another movie in the franchise that has kind of a washed up old horror icon playing someone's mom, so. We have a connection. <laughs> that just made me well, so and, sad. And Drago, right? Yeah, Drago's back. <laughs> yeah, Drago, Drago. Is it Drago yeah. or Drago? I mean, is this like a Manos Sorry, Manos I, thing? Whenever or? I hear the Drago, I think of I think of Yvonne Drago and Rocky. So. But even that's not pronounced Drago. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
I don't know. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I'm looking at pictures of Paulette uh, Victor Lifton. I, I, I'm assuming it's his daughter. Are you masturbating? You're, you're assuming, but see, but look at her. Look at her birth name. Look at her birth name. I'm assuming. Lifton is added on later. So maybe he just adopted her. Oh. Holy shit. You guys are watching season five of BBC Sherlock unfold right here. Adopt a wife. Adopt a <laughs> wife. Thank you, John. <laughs> okay, so what's really going on in uh, part four here, Sean DeRager? Uh Part four, I don't know, a bunch of friggin' ravers or whatever are caught in this labyrinth of a warehouse or something shit. And... uh they're all assholes, except for one girl, and she's getting seduced by some crazy, weird, homeless guy uh, known as Billy Drago. <laughs> known as Billy Drago. <laughs> and it gets creepy. Uh, and rapey. He's the rapey man. Very ra- it's very rapey. There's a few rapey scenes in it, and I just didn't, I did not like anyone in the in, in any of the characters. You wait, 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 hold on, hold on, shit. stop, Sean, fuck, hold Except on. Except for the one girl. Hit, hit the brakes, Sean. <laughs> you did not like the Scottish woman at the beginning of the movie who finds the mirror and starts fucking dancing with it and flirting oh, with it like great. she's fucking Billy Connolly and head of the class. <laughs> hold on, I, I must have forgot to take a note on that. Hold oh, on, this is a beautiful mirror. Oh, I love you so much. You make me look so beautiful. I guess she's Irish. Head of the fucking class, really? Dude? Yeah, head of the class. Not not the Howard Hessman head of the class, the Billy Connolly. So I, I oh fuck my butt. <laughs> All right, keep That's going. Why Sorry, Sean's Sean. leading this segment. So she, uh, yeah, but keep going. Fucked. No, I mean you're in, and you're you're stuck in this place with all these people you don't really like, and they're trying to get out. And uh, I don't know. It's a step up from it's a step up from three. We can't get out. There's a storm. Well, yeah, because there's a storm. But I mean, yeah, they're like locked in or something. There's or a nice something. element they can't find their way of just um, a tornado. What a ra- rapey, rapey! It's a hurricane. It's a hurricane. Sorry. A nice little uh, rape. A lot of rape jokes in this fourth one. Yeah. And for some reason, the one time that there are our main character, I can't find her name. My for some for some reason, my IMDb just stopped working, so I can't look anybody up. But for some reason, her and her boyfriend, all their major conversations all happen on one bed. With one camera angle. Well, because he's supposed to be dead. Like, it's established at the beginning that they discover this mirror and that a zombie comes through it. A zombie demon character thing, um, which, spoiler alert, is Drago, um, comes through. And, and, like, we we are led to believe that he attacks and kills her just-became-fiancé. He has to find shoes first. (laughs) He has to find shoes first, and he doesn't find his shoes, and then he gets attacked by a zombie ghost demon thing that comes out of the mirror. It's Mark Ruffalo's baby. Oh! Because he fucked the demon. Yeah, from the mirror glory This is the baby. Baby Ruffalo! This is the Ruffalo baby. (laughs) Um, And the actress's name that you're looking for, the lead character's name is Annika, and the actress you're looking for is Kim, my guest. Kim, my guest. Kim, my guest. All right. Who also is a voiceover actress who does a ton of video game work. Wow. Weird. Super weird. So Billy, <laughs> Billy Drago, and I, I was watching this with John, and we were really trying to decode it uh, at the at the rewatch. And to me, Billy Drago for 
for what, like three quarters of his appearance in the movie before it's revealed that he's essentially the, the big bad. He He's playing this like he is the rapiest David Carradine as Kane from Kung Fu, like fucking ever. But he's like, the second rapiest person no, in yeah, the film. No, yeah, he actually, yeah, Sarah's absolutely right. He's like smooth rape. He's and smooth these other rape. guys are mm-hmm. like, are oh, like Cosby rape. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, like there's the one guy is telling his friend that this is how you deal with chicks. You just tell them what no means maybe. You, exactly. You like them, they want it, really. It's real creepy. It's yeah. real fucking they creepy. They corner a girl and yeah. stuff. And... Yeah, so comparatively. I don't know. I thought he was always one scene away from snatch this condom from my hand, grasshopper. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to think of when this movie was made, though. Like. 2000, we thought about that. Keep going. <laughs> Rape was really trending at that time. Oh it was my big. God. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's the thing is like what, what Jim, oh, what I'm going to pretend Jim is saying is that, is that this was Rape something... was really hot back then. No, but this was like, this was an issue that people were actually like trying to address in movies. And so I feel like. Well, yeah, because if it was rave culture, yeah, for sure. Totally. That they were trying to address like, like rape culture and doing a really horrible job at addressing it a bad job a little heavy-handed a little bit i was about this fourth film felt kind of like an extended buffy the vampire slayer episode a bad buffy I have to episode. say that like a straight to video <laughs> exactly. terrible adaptation of no exit version no of... mm-hmm. yeah. yeah go ahead brad you you said even no though, even though shut up even though i like it <laughs> i it's very blair witch 2ish to me too oh oh i had to leave the theater like it has that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I did. I left the theater because I was too scared. Blair Witch Project Two. Did so I it, say that was a weenie? Yeah, and it's a direct contemporary of Blair Witch Two. They came out the same time. I think one of them hit theaters, and um, one of them just hit Jimmy Lifton's VCR. But yeah, ouch, right man! Right in the tent. Too fucking soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about a Jeffrey Donovan movie, so I wanted to serve a burn notice. <laughs> You guys get he was yes. on USA Network. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We know right. the show. Wait, wait, wait. You got it? Isn't that your second burn notice joke? <laughs> uh yeah, it is. When something works, you keep doing it. Burn notice. So BJ, can you talk now? Yes, I can absolutely talk now. I can absolutely talk now. So I think if I it's gonna be a stretch. I might get some gas for it. I think this one might be my favorite. Oh because Oh yeah. I love that it reminds me maybe it's it's the rave reference, but it reminds me of kind of like the subplots of Freddy versus Jason. All of the characters are wearing all of the outfits that Daniel Harris rejected for Urban Legend. <laughs> and it's shot and lit the same way as the Rage Carry 2. And all of those things appeal to me on like a very core level. So I had a fucking blast with this one and I didn't have to watch Billy Drago have sex. So <laughs> that's a perk for me. Always a plus. Um, let's just roll into one of the, the major talking points that we, we wanted to at least get out on each of these episodes is we do want to go around the room and find out what every what, what everyone considers to be the film that killed the franchise. That's what we wrote down. But now that BJ is is spitting love for Mirror Mirror 4. Maybe we should go around and say which one we love the best. Keep this shit positive. There's so much negativity in the world today. Let's keep it positive. Sean, what's your favorite Mirror Mirror film? I probably, I mean, 
just as we discussed earlier, my whole draw towards religious horror. I probably liked the second one the most out of uh, it, my here's it would go Mirror Mirror Two, Mirror Mirror One, uh, then Mirror Mirror Four, and then uh, Mirror Mirror uh, Fuckfest. <laughs> <laughs> the Boyer. Yeah, our hashtag FF is going to mean something entirely new when we talk about part three. Uh, Sarah, how do you rank Wait, these? wait, wait. What? F- FF, what does FF mean? I, whenever I put FF, it means fuckfest. Follow Friday. Whenever I tag all of you guys, it means fuckfest Friday. Oh, I thought it was Fist Freddy, like a reference to the great uh, oh. Tom Green film, Freddy Got Fingered. I thought we were fisting uh, Eddie K. Thomas now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, how do you I've rank these? I've the wrong vibe from a lot of people. <laughs> Um, okay, I say, I would say one, four, two, three. Because I agree with BJ that it took me back. So this this film came out in 2000. I graduated high school in 2001. So for me, like, the outfits that they were wearing were very nostalgic for me, right? Like, this whole, like, raver culture, because I was a bad kid. Like, even the outfits that the one, like, in quotation marks, slutty girl was wearing, um... There was something super nostalgic about it and the way that it was shot and all of that. So, number one, the first film, because there was not a whole lot wrong with it. It was just not as interesting as it needed to be to be successful, right? And then four, because it made me all nostalgic. Two, because it was fucking cracked out and weird. And then three, because it was boring. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Harsh words. Mr. Bradley F. Henderson. How do you rank these, brother? Um, I would say one, four, two, and three, which I think matches Sarah and BJ. Or BJ picked four first, so that matches Sarah. We agree on something. One, four, two, three. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Holy shit! Don't expect it to ever happen oh again. My God. What do we call them? Scatters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it won't happen again. Scats. Splat Packers. Splat Packers. <laughs> um, BJ, we'll get to you in a second. I'm going to go to another Splat House. I was just thinking out loud. Uh, John, how do you rank these, my brother? So I would probably, it's hard because, uh, like Sarah said, one is uh, watchable, has very enjoyable moments, but is not interesting enough to really carry a film. <laughs> Four is a tremendous pile of what the fuck, and it's hilarious. So, you know, <laughs> you just don't know where to go. I think I'm probably going to go four, one, two, three. Bam. And I do think four. Oh, shit. And I do think four, even though it's my favorite, is probably the one that killed it all. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Jim Rock. Um, yeah, I think that I would say that we should start with number two, because that was definitely the best of the films that I watched. <laughs> um, then we'll take it back a notch, start on number one. So we'll go from two to one. And then, because I haven't, quote unquote, seen this third or fourth movies <laughs> I would say we should end with number four but before that go to three so that the boobies keep it alive but we end with some what the fuck so yeah two, two one, one three four three four all right <laughs> BJ we know that part four is your number one but where do the others rank so I go four one two three that's where i'm at 
So that's a uh, that's John. Yeah. Yeah. We matched. Yeah, yeah. We just won a memory game that way. Uh-huh. Um, I ranked them. Uh, I, th- I think four was the one that I had the most fun with. Um, one I think was probably the best made as far as a, an actual movie. Two was a little wackadoo, but still fun. I have a thing for nun movies and anything to do with religious repression. I talk about that a lot on Screamcast. It just fascinates my brain. And three just was kind of a hot mess. Um, so I, I ranked that my last one. But I did realize something. This franchise is overwhelmingly directed by women. And that's fucking cool, I think. It's super cool. I'm going I'm going to jump in. Here we go. <laughs> like BJ and John before me, I do believe that 4 is my favorite. These are of course favorites. I'm not I'm not ranking which ones are the best films per se, but the ones that are my favorite. So I, I just want to say that. That said, this is very unpopular. 3. I'm going 3. Of course you are. I'm going Knew 3. You Knew you were. Yeah. I so when you I like your smutty shit, you're a smut monster. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something smut similar, monster. but not as good. I love, yeah, okay, smut this monster. Bitch. Sure. All right, I'm going four, three. I'm going to continue the trend and go two, and then I'm I'm, I'm plugging one in last? there at the end. What are you going to do last? <laughs> with Back to Brown. three. Yeah. You really would say that one was your least favorite? To watch? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fuck you, Mike wow. And here's and here's the next question for the panel. We don't have what? to we don't have to rank them again. Which one would you say killed the franchise? And I think that for me, the answer is one. I agree with Brad and I talked <laughs> off air completely, and we're, I couldn't believe that after what? rewatching one, after rewatching one, I can't believe that there's three other movies. And not only that, I can't believe I like the last one the best. I see your point. Cool. I absolutely see your point. Which one do you think killed the franchise? Um, well, if we're going to go that direction, I think one killed the franchise. But I think <laughs> that I would continue to watch them if three had, in fact, been sexy. Like, if they had really gone for it, if they had gone full-blown Skinamax, like, three wouldn't have killed it. But in my mind, three killed it. BJ, which one do you think killed the franchise for you? I think three killed it. Which is a bummer because I'm a total pervert, so you'd think that I love that movie, and it just did not resonate with me on a level I wanted it to. Um, I think it killed the franchise, but I think number four brought it back from the dead. It is the Lazarus of this franchise, <laughs> if I may, since we're getting all religious about it. Um, but yeah, three, three I thought was a mess. <laughs> is there any reason that this has to be the end of the franchise? No. 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 Exactly. No. So, like, why doesn't Jimmy Lipton listen to this podcast and make a five? Because we said that he married his daughter. And we said that <laughs> the one that he wrote and directed was not at the top of any of our lists. And we keep calling him the name of a teabag. And we keep claiming that his his claim to fame is that he won an Emmy for SpongeBob SquarePants. Like, of course he's not listening. Fine. And, of course, he's not giving us money to make part five. Fine. <laughs> Brad, which one do you think killed the franchise? I think I would say three did um, for for reasons being of I think they could have if these movies would have came out one, two or actually we'll do that later. Um, but I think I think three killed the franchise because I I think people that were actually remembering 
one and two if it had followers three just completely derails everything it derails the atmosphere it derails uh you know kind of the even if the movies kind of had creepiness which they sort of do at times it takes out the horror element i appreciate they they try to do something new but it really killed everything it killed the momentum i think john well from my reasoning earlier about uh, it being number four being like a Buffy episode, I was thinking four was the one that killed it. But after hearing these good arguments for three, I think three might have been the one, like Brad was saying, that kind of killed the uh, momentum of everything. And four was kind of just what the fuck, too little, too late. Sean, yeah, no, I, I, I'd say three. I mean, it's pretty much almost a majority vote here, but uh. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say three. If if three would have brought the sexy, it would have been a different. Uh, Sean, totally what do different. you find? What do you find sexy, buddy? Like, what's a movie that you're like, man, that's a sexy movie? Hey, you guys want to watch a sexy movie tonight? Which one are you throwing on? <laughs> I don't. I, I really, I really don't know. I'd have to think about that. Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I honestly like, I, I, uh, like. The films that Tinto Brass, for the most part, like without like not Caligula, but I mean Tinto Brass had a really good eye for like really good like er- like more artistic erotica. Like he was kind of the best of that. So I would say like you know one of his films would be something that I would go to. Since I really don't go towards anything kind of past that, doesn't really do it for me. But um, but yeah, I mean you know. I gotta stop talking because my four year old just walked in. Ooh. He can't hear us. Tell can him he? Put him in <laughs> no, the no, no. Yeah, okay, good. Put him in those vinegar syndrome porny earmuffs. Go ahead, Jim. How how do you feel about this? Uh as somebody who has only seen once again, <laughs> only seen the first and second movie. Which one killed it? <laughs> it sounds to me like number three is the best movie. <laughs> And number one and two had no momentum to start with. So, so four Jim, sounds cooler than three. Jim, so it sounds Jim. like three started the momentum, four ended it, one and two never had it in the first place. <laughs> Jim <laughs> likes the motion of the ocean. <laughs> so that's going to bring us to the end of the first episode of the Splatcast, which also doubles as episode 9000 of the Screamcast and doubles as episode 21 of the Splat House. There's a way to canonize all this, but it's not going to make any sense. So we're calling it Splatcast episode one, and we are towards the end of it. We talked today, of course, about the Mirror Mirror Legacy, which you can watch the first two installments of on Jimmy Lifton's YouTube channel. Or if you're a big bala like Louis Scarface, motherfucker, you can go on to Amazon.com and order the out-of-print DVD box set for $40, $60, $80. Depends on if you want it to say collectible, like new, fair, good, used. Who fucking knows? Just throw some fucking money at it and they'll send you discs in the mail. And while you are ordering that Mirror Mirror Legacy box set, which the producers will see no money from, and they cannot produce a fifth one based on the revenue generated by that, you can also order some of our next series of movies. Yes, we will be back with Splatcast Episode 2, and we will be looking at the legacy of 
the Sleepaway Camp films. Now you're like, hey, man, I thought you said, you know, this motherfucking podcast, you weren't going to cover the popular franchises. That shit is on Scream Factory Blu-ray. They got the fucking VHS work print dub up on that shit. Yeah, well, you might be right. <laughs> but here's the other deal, partner. I'm looking at you. Yeah. Here's the deal. There is a fourth unreleased film in the Sleepaway Camp series, Survivor, and there is a fifth Isaac Hayes fucking starring movie from Magnet Releasing called Return to Sleepaway Camp, which is totally canon, and we are going to fucking look at it, and we will watch Bruce Springsteen's Little Sister, and it's going to be fucking awesome. Yes! All right. So we're going to say our goodbyes. This is Mike D from the Splat House slash Splatcast podcast saying adieu, motherfucker. Go look up Blue Caveman on Indiegogo. Everybody say, everybody say goodbye. Go look up Blue Caveman on Indiegogo. Go look up Blue Caveman on Indiegogo. What's your name, motherfucker? My name is Sarah Quakendall. Go donate to Blue Caveman on Indiegogo. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. My name is BJ Clangelo. Go look up a power bomb. Donate to that. Mike, can you hear me? Can we hear Brad? Mike, can can you hear me? Can you hear me? Um, Bye. (laughs) Sean DeRager. (laughs) Listen to the Screamcast. Thescreamcast.com. Check out everything you need knows there. Yes, buy buy some fucking uh, enamel pins. Buy enamel pins. Yeah, buy yeah. some coffee shop of horrors. Plug your shit. Vinegarsyndrome.com. Yay. Powerbomb.com. And how about your mom, Jim Schiller? Could we plug her? Uh, first of all, <laughs> fuck you, Mike. You dick. <laughs> and also, yeah, probably if you wanted to. But you don't. So don't even joke like that. Don't say crack unless you got some. So for Brad, BJ, Sean, John, Sean, John. Yeah, I'm going to wear some of those tonight when I go to sleep and masturbate to Mirror Mirror 3. So for Brad, Sean, BJ, John, Jim, Sarah, this is Mike D saying, Chris Hardwick thanks you for listening to this first episode. Wait, that was too much like the end of a Splat House episode. You should end it some other way. Do like a rap just, or something. Do yeah, a dance. Well, you know, dance. dance. Do a dance, dance. and they dance. can dance. they can dance. hear dance. how you look. Dance. 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 Thanks for listening. Dance.